Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Again, we thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the music already and the time that we've had to worship you in that and, and worship you through giving. And Lord, now through your word, I ask that you would just use me as a vessel to speak what needs to be spoken. Um, Lord, I want you to be glorified. I want your message and your word to go out uh, and, and to hit every single one of our hearts in the way that you intend for it to. Lord, I ask that you would move in our lives right now, that we also would make the choice to prepare our own hearts, Lord, to receive your word and receive this message and, and let it work and then also uh, help us take it with us and use it from this point forward. And we'll praise you for all these things, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Last week we saw two encouraging points. I just want to say those again. Number one was following God's instructions concerning pastors, spiritual leaders, is a submission to God's authority and order. And we've seen this before in other uh, letters that were written. When we acknowledge God's um, order of authority, then we acknowledge God himself. It's the same way in the home. Uh, when we acknowledge the way that God has set things up, then we're acknowledging God's authority in, in that as well. It's, it's, it applies in the church, and we saw that. Number two was following God's instructions concerning the admonition of the disorderly, and we also saw that that word could mean idle. So those, and this was a problem in Thessalonica. Some people thought the day of the Lord had come upon them, and so they just stopped working. They stopped going to work. They stopped providing for their families. They just kind of stopped, and we're like, all right, we're ready for the Lord to come, you know, and, and uh, some of them were afraid that the day of the Lord had already come. And so uh, Paul had told them for the church, if you have people that are, that are not going the right way, they're disorderly or even idle, they're sitting by, they're not helping, they're not contributing to the cause of the kingdom of God, they're not contributing to even support of their own family, they need to admonish them. And the reason why that's important, he explained, is for the unity and part of our Christian responsibility that is to be within the body of Christ. And so uh, two things, very important points. And as I said the last meeting, Paul was starting to wrap up this letter to the Thessalonians, this first letter. And so he's beginning to give different charges, different uh, responsibilities that Christians have. And he started with those two things. And so uh, respecting and supporting pastor, admonishing the disorderly. And then we move on to verse 14. And we see the next admonition, or the next charge, the next responsibility, and to give all of you a little fun, the next Christian duty um, is this, comfort the feeble-minded, comfort the feeble-minded. Now this is uh, important for us to understand, again, it's written to the church, written to the church, and so it applies to both spiritual leaders, pastors, um, deacons. Uh, people in places of authority in the church, but it also applies to church members. Sometimes we get the idea that if somebody's struggling, it's just the deacon's job, or it's just the pastor's job, or it's just the Sunday school teacher's job, and that's not what he's saying. He's writing this letter to the church, so it's applied to both leaders and church members. It's also important to understand what this word feeble-minded means, because if we were to throw it out there and say, what do you think feeble-minded means? A lot of people say, well... Uh, unstable in the mind, uh, weak in the mind. We would probably come up with all kinds of different understandings of what the feeble-minded is. 
but it is translated little-spirited or faint-hearted, and even further defined as discouraged. So we're to comfort the discouraged. We're to comfort the little-spirited. And the word, of course, our understanding of what these words mean is a little different in 2017, but it, little-spirited does mean uh, you don't have a lot of energy in your spirit. You don't have a lot of lift in your spirit. You're down, you're discouraged, and the charge is to comfort those who are like that. Now, here's the tough part. The tough part in this is there are people that are in churches that make it a point to stay discouraged. They, they don't want to be encouraged. They, they, don't, they don't want to be encouraged. They find pleasure in staying discouraged for whatever, for whatever reason, whether they enjoy the attention, uh, whether they bask in idleness and not really doing anything because they always stay discouraged. Um, and then there's some people that have just learned for that to be their, their mantra. That's their, that's their makeup. I'm just a discouraged person. I'm never encouraged. I'm, I never have joy. I, and, and so they take that on to be their persona, their personality and everything. And, and, and it can become very distracting because very discouraging even to the church body as a whole. Um, so we realize that. But that's tough because we're not God and we can't say, well, that person is just a constantly a, a chronic discouraged person. I'm never going to say anything to them at all. You know, we, we, can't, we can't play that part because we don't know the heart. God does. And again, we have to remember that the charge was for us to admonish the idol. So if somebody is, you know, just staying constantly idle, never doing anything, never serving in the church, never helping, never contributing, and they're just always moping around in a discouraged state, then it's up to the church members as well, the church, membership, uh, the church leadership to say to that person, hey, you need to do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to find that encouragement, that rejoicing, even in the midst of sorrow. You need to learn to let God be your strength in your weakness. At some point, you've got to activate faith. It's a choice that every single person makes. You, you have to be willing to be encouraged. And again, I think there's sometimes there's times that we don't want that, whether it's a pity party that we want, whether we want the attention or whatever, there's times that we just want to stay in that state. And again, as I said a while ago, sometimes the discouragement comes along with idleness. Because when we get discouraged, what we end up doing is we begin to pull away and we begin to stop, begin to, uh, to stop serving. I don't, I don't feel encouraged. I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like doing. I don't feel like this. And so we stop. We pull away and we're just going to be like that. And what happens in that idleness is that begins to please the flesh. Because it's a lot easier just to sit by and do nothing than it is to do something. A lot of people don't get engaged in church and they use that as the crutch. I'm just discouraged. I, I just, I don't, no. That's not God's will. That's not what his desire is. Um, but we're a body and we're a family. We're the family of God and we're to be working together. And while no one is to be lagging behind, no one is to be idle in, in their effort in, in helping the cause of Christ, we know that there are times that there are going to be circumstances that overwhelm us. And every single one of us will probably go through that at some point in time in our Christian life where we come to a place where we're overwhelmed. Now, whether we cover that up with a mask and we pretend that that's not happening in our life or not, the truth is every single one of us will probably go through some sort of discouragement in our Christian life because we're human. Because circumstances can consume us. 
Because we can get our eyes in those moments when it gets really, really hard and really, really overwhelming, we can take our eyes off Christ and get them on those circumstances, and that's when the time comes that it starts to consume us. And it starts to overwhelm us, and, and, and it takes, takes hold of our, our mind and creates that feeble-mindedness, that discouraged place. And it's those, it's those, when, when, when we get to that place, who, when we get discouraged like that, faint of heart, it's those that we are charged to encourage. It doesn't mean that we will, because we'll talk about this in a second, it doesn't mean that we give up on those that are chronically discouraged or willingly discouraged or just want to stay there because they want to be idle or whatever. It doesn't mean that we just completely cast them aside. But it's those that are honestly going through something, and sometimes it's perpetual. Sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a, a disease. Sometimes it's a, a, a loss of a spouse. Or sometimes it's, it's something that is just, it takes a really, really, really long time for them to get out of that place of discouragement. Sometimes they have the highs. Sometimes they have the lows. But, again, that's why we have to be those who are comforting the feeble-minded. Those who are encouraging those who need to be encouraged and who want to be encouraged. Because it's got to be reciprocated in that way. But the challenge is this as well. The flesh's tendency when it's struggling. When, when we are overwhelmed, when we are getting discouraged and, 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 and we're starting to, to be flooded with all these things and all these feelings, the flesh's tendency is to recluse, is to pull away, is, is to stop engaging and to stop connecting, and to stop giving, and to stop all those things. The flesh's tendency is to pull away. And you know what that does? If you're giving into the flesh, that just opens the door for the enemy. And the enemy's like, that's exactly what I want you to do. This is exactly what you need to do right now. That's what happens. That's why whenever people go through things, they can go to work on Monday but they had a hard time getting up for church on Sunday. Because to, 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 to do what is right and pleasing to the Spirit takes a, a little bit of effort because why do, we go to, why do we go to work on Monday? Because that's part of the world, that's part of the flesh. We've got to do that to pay the bills. But to be gathered with the saints, and here it is, to connect and to engage and to, and, and to be willing to be encouraged in our discouragement, that takes spiritual gumption or grit or tenacity. It takes effort spiritually to do that. And some people can go through the motions and some people can fake it, like I said, and put on a mask. But we have to realize that when we start to get overwhelmed with circumstances, the flesh, start, the flesh starts getting attacked, we begin to get discouraged, that tendency is to pull away. We've got to recognize that. If we're, if we're Christian and we, we understand these things, we've got to recognize this is what the flesh is wanting me to do. And I've said this all along, and it's true, it's throughout Scripture. The easiest thing to do in our lives is the fleshly thing to do. I will give you a good example of what happened today. I was driving home. My wife took me to lunch today. It was amazing. And I was driving home from that, and uh, I started to exit off of Marine Creek. And some of you know the, the Marine Creek situation right there by the new QT. You can turn left on uh, Marine Creek go by the college, or you can go straight and go up to Old Decatur. And in this situation, you've got two lanes. You've got a left lane that is only left turn only, and then you've got a right, right lane that is left turn and or straight. I've been going the, the 
up to Old Decatur. I've been getting in the right lane because all the mess down there on, on Marine Creek and, and all that because they're doing construction. So I've just been going up to Old Decatur, which can be a mess. But the time of day it was, it was a good call. So I get in the right lane. I'm not stopping. I'm driving. Here we go. I'm driving. And I go through the intersection and I glance at my, uh, in, in, my, in my mirror and I see a little white car coming. But it looks like maybe they're just going to go and turn fast real quick. And so I get to the intersection when I glance back and I just turn my blinker on and start moving over to the left lane because that's what you got to do to get up there and turn left. So I begin to get over there. And as soon as I get about halfway in the lane, I hear this. But I just keep going because I'm there. I'm already in the lane at this point in time. And this car is like right up on my, my back. And I was like, whoa, I guess they didn't turn, you know. And so I'm just, no, no problem, you know, raise my hand. Sorry about that. I mean, I shouldn't be sorry. I was obeying the laws. But I still, you know, okay, you know, so I go up there, get up to the stop sign. Or not get up to the stop sign. On my way up to the stop sign, and this little white car whoo, swings out behind me, zips past me just barely past me and just whew, right in front of me like I have to like tap my brakes to slow down and and part of me started to reach on my no I'm just talking. <laughs> no I'm just playing <laughs> but um I, I did feel a, a little bit of my flesh rise up you know and and she starts to get up to that stop sign and she starts slowing down and like even stopping closer to the stop sign I'm like well, this lady's trying to, like, test me or something. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. And, and so she turns, and she gets... And now, once you turn left on Old Decatur, and you go over 820, and you're heading towards Saginaw now, there's another option. You can get in the left lane, which is a left turn only now. They changed that. Or you can go in the right lane, which is a straight only now. And I, I've learned this. This is the way it goes. Some people have not learned that, and I can tell they haven't learned that. Because they'll, they'll get in that left lane, and then they'll, oh no, they'll put the blinker on. You can tell, oh, I just didn't realize this was it. The signage isn't real great there anyways. But, so I begin to turn, and that, that little girl is in the left-hand lane. And I think, I'm starting to turn, I'm thinking, I bet you she's going to just go, because no, no blinker, and there's a car next to her. And sure enough, she goes straight. And I was like, oh man, and my flesh is starting to go again. I'm like... I wish I had like a siren I could put on my car. I need to go tell this lady. And so I start driving down Old Decatur and we start getting past the neighborhood. And another option of traffic is this there. The right lane merges into the left lane, not vice versa. The people in the left lane continue to go straight. The people in the right lane are supposed to merge into the left lane. It says that on the sign that you're to obey. Not this lady. She's in the right lane this time. She's been in the left lane two times now. Now she's in the right lane. And she is going next to these other two vehicles. And it's starting to merge. And I'm driving behind. And I'm just like, this is going to be interesting. Sure enough, she just zips over right in front of those people. And both of them, you know, she cuts them off. And for a half a second, my foot started to hit the accelerator. <laughs> I'm... I'm just going to go tell her she needs to be careful driving. That's all I'm going to do, you know. And it was there. And then, I mean, I, and I started to think, you know, maybe I'm supposed to do this. Maybe it's God wants me to do this. Let's see where she goes. She turns right. I'm going to turn right. I'm like, this is supposed to happen. 
I need to go tell that. So I'm going down. Okay, if she turns down the park road where I'm going, we'll just have a conversation. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know. She goes up to the next street, not the park road, and I think, should I go up to the next street? <laughs> well, my flesh, I mean, I, I could, you know, it's just easy. I just, in that moment, I could have just, just done what I felt like my flesh wanted to do. But I didn't. Praise the Lord. I might have seen her out on a Thursday night sometime. <laughs> she might have seen my truck. But um, the flesh is, is always easiest to do what the flesh wants us to do. Because we can give in in those moments of the flesh just like that. Uh, but the, the spirit, it's, it's harder for the spirit. It's harder for us to, to obey the spirit. Because that's the, the law that's contrary, that's waging this war inside of us. Inside we want to do what the spirit wants to do. Outside the flesh just wants to do what it wants to do. And so we're in these fleshly bodies. And that's why Paul said, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? I thank my God through my Lord Jesus Christ. And so our only hope is uh, the Lord's help in us. But this is, this is what we have to realize. We have to remember that when we go through the struggle of being discouraged and, and feeling like pulling away, feeling like retracting, not feeling like engaging in the body, not feeling like singing, lifting our voice, not feeling like uh, connecting with other believers that we're a part of as a body, when we feel like pulling away and, and all those things, and yet we're, we're, we're struggling, we're discouraged, we really don't want to be there because we're not one of those people that love to be discouraged. We have to realize we need to listen to the Spirit. As hard as it is, we need to do what pleases the Spirit. And the Bible tells us in James what we need to do. James chapter 4 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Here it is. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. We, we are foolish to think that we can handle the struggles, the difficulties, the, the discouraging things in this life in our own strength. And that's why the Lord says, if you'll humble yourself and you'll draw nigh to me, if you'll resist your flesh, you'll resist the devil, and you'll draw nigh to me, then I'll draw nigh to you. I'll pull you to myself. I'll lift you up, and I'll give you what you need. But it's also accomplished through the helping and the encouragement of the body. And so that's why we are told we, we need to make sure to comfort those who are discouraged. Again, it's through drawing nigh to God. It's through drawing, because remember this. I, I hope this always sticks in our minds. You can't draw nigh to God without being close to his body. Um, that's the way it is. Jesus Christ walked in this earth, and if you were going to be close to God as he walked on this earth, you had to be with his body. There was no time that his head was rolling around and people were chasing just the head of Jesus Christ. They were walking with the, the, the Godhead in bodily form, the, the, the express image of God, as the Bible says. They were walking with him, his whole body. When we are close to God, we are also close. We've talked about this before. You can't be close to God, not close to the, 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 the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. You can't be close to God. So, yeah, me and God, we're, we're really just spending some time together. I, I'm okay with, like, I, I'm going away for a day and spending time with God. I'm going to go away for the weekend and, and just fasting and praying and connecting with God. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'm spending some time alone with God. Jesus did that, too, absolutely. But I'm not, it's not about, well, I'm just, I'm taking a break from going to worship services, and it's been a month, it's been six weeks, it's been even a week. That's not what it's about. That's not how you're going to make it through the struggle. It's going to be through drawing nigh to God. 
It's going to be drawing near to the body of Christ. And if everybody's doing what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing, which we fail and we don't always hit the nail on the head, but if we're doing that, then we are going to comfort the feeble-minded. The encouragement is going to come in through the Holy Spirit, through the work of the body, through what only God can do. And so if you're here tonight and you feel discouraged, you say, I, I, it was a really a struggle to get here tonight. First of all, you're in the right spot. The second thing is this. You have to still connect. You, you can't just sit there in isolation. You can't just go through the motions. You still have to connect. Reach, tell, share it with somebody. I need your prayers. I, 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 I'm struggling right now. We've talked about this before, too. Don't try to go through it alone. That's not the way it's designed. If you're discouraged, don't skip worship services. If you're, if you're discouraged, don't slack in your serving. If you're discouraged, don't quit, and whatever you do, don't give up. Press into the Lord. Press into the family that he's placed you in. For those of you who have the gift of encouragement, exhortation, your gifts are so valuable. And sometimes people don't think that, you know, I don't really know what I contribute to the body. You may have the gift of exhortation, the gift of encouragement, and your presence here is used by God in a supernatural way. And just your words to somebody may be everything that God needs to use or wants to use to encourage them. But if you don't do that and you're not exercising those gifts, then it's not going to happen the way that God designed for it to happen. Again, hugs and prayers, kind words, God uses those things in phenomenal ways. But the sad part is this, when we struggle, when we're the ones that are dealing with it, God uses other, others to minister to us, we can often be so disconnected from the Lord and so disconnected from his answers to our prayers, like, God, help me. God, I'm struggling. God, I don't feel like doing this. God, when is this going to end? We can be so disconnected from God and his answers to our prayers that we don't realize that his hands in the body of Christ are reaching around us in the form of our church family, in the form of the church body. And when somebody comes up to us and gives us a hug, somebody comes up to us and says, hey, I'm praying for you, God's hands are wrapping around us. And again, we may be so disconnected from God and the answers to prayers that we don't realize that's what he's doing when they're doing that. And we can miss it altogether. And so we can begin to judge the church is not doing enough. The church isn't doing anything. We need to be connected and stay connected to God and to the body to experience everything that he can provide for us. And the truth in this is, is, is this. We need to minister the comfort that God wants us to minister to each other, we need to, to minister it gracefully. But at the same time, we need to receive that comfort gracefully too. It's sad to say that I, I've, I've seen throughout the years people that, that have tried to encourage, you know, hey, it's going to be all right. And, and, and give them a hug and pray with them and, and they just don't want it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to receive that. They don't want to receive the comfort from grace because they're salt, they, they have, they've shored up this wall around them, uh, and this hardness, this pride, and they've cut themselves off from, from the Lord and the body. And they think that they're okay because they're dealing with it. When God tries to give comfort through the body of Christ, through another believer, we need to try to keep in mind 
I need to receive this gracefully because if I'm going to get out of this funk, if I'm going to get out of this, this well, if I'm going to get out of this pit, if I'm going to get out of this dark place, this discouraging place, it's only because the grace of God. It's only because the power of God. It's only because I humble myself before God and I, and, and I draw nigh to God. And it's only going to be through the, the, the body of Christ doing what they're supposed to do. But that can be hard to follow that part. Humble yourselves. When that comes to humble yourselves, can be the hard part. So number one tonight is we're to make conscious efforts to encourage the discouraged. Make conscious efforts to encourage the discouraged. We've talked about this before too. Sometimes that's hard because when people put up walls and, and people are going through difficult times, as humans, we can begin to um, question, what do I need to do? I, 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 they're going through something. If I say something, is it going to make it worse? If I, if I don't say something, if I hug them, if I, if I bring the topic up, if is it going to, you know, are they going to go off on me? Somebody becomes cold and hardened, and they look like they're, they're a miserable person, and they don't want anybody to talk to them, anybody to touch them, anybody to, to do anything. They're just cold as they can be, and for us, it can be hard to approach that. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard for me to do that. When I see somebody just cold up, sold up, you know, um, walled, walls all around, it looks like they are ready to hit somebody. It's hard to approach somebody like that. That's just being honest. It's hard to go to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I bet you don't, you're not happy to see me. That's what it looks like, you know. But it can be difficult. Um, so again, I think that we just need to keep that in mind. But the, sec the next thing we see is this, support the weak. Now, this is talking about those who are sick or without strength. They are to be supported. They're to be cared for. And the, the word here, support, is kind of like a glue to adhere to. We're to stick with those who are weak. We're to stick next to those who are weak. Stick to them. Now, this is important as well. Uh, this is true for those who are sick or needy physically, spiritually, emotionally, and even financially. We're to support, we're to stick to, adhere like a family sticks together. Whenever a family goes through a severe illness, when a family goes through financial crisis, when a family is struggling with an emotional situation or even a spiritual situation, we're to stick together. And again, it kind of goes back to what we just talked about. When we go through things, our tendency is to pull away. Think about it in your home. What happens whenever things go bad or something goes negative? What often happens? Somebody goes in this room and closes the door. We're going to isolate ourselves. Maybe, not, maybe some people, it's not so much of a closing of the door. Maybe it's a closing of the door forcefully. Sometimes people just leave. Sometimes they, they just get in a vehicle and they leave uh, because of the, there's, a, there's a problem, there's a, there's, a, there's a sickness, there's a struggle. And, and, and so that's kind of the, the tendency is to pull away. But again, we've got, we got to remember we're supposed to stick together. I believe if everyone has the grasp on what the church is supposed to be about and the church is supposed to be doing, no one will want to stay discouraged. No one want to stay there. No one want to stay in a place where I'm not doing anything, I'm not contributing, I'm not helping reach souls right now, I'm not helping uh, get the great... I don't think, if anybody understands and has that grasp of what the church is about and supposed to be doing, they want to stay in a discouraged, ineffective, and idle place. I don't, I don't think that. And I don't think they want to stay in a feeble state. 
And the reason why I say that is because I see people that are in our church that are struggling with, with illnesses, that are, that are life-altering illnesses, and yet they want to stay engaged, not only in the fellowship and the worship services, but in getting the gospel out. Uh, he's, he's not here, he doesn't want anything, and, and I pray that you don't say anything to him uh, after this, uh, because I don't want to embarrass him, I don't want to do anything like that, and he doesn't do what he does for this. But I just have to say, I want to praise the Lord for Brother Ruben Cisneros. Because there was a, a few weeks ago, he was able to get off of his shift, get off of work in time, to make it to, to outreach in time. Um, now, he's a paramedic, and so his shifts are different, and, and everybody, most everybody knows that he got put on this transplant list for his lungs, because his lungs are just falling apart. And so, this man can hardly breathe. Um, and so, when he, when he gets here, his desire is to connect with the body of Christ. His heart with, for, for us, for you, is amazing. He, he loves his church family. I get emails from, or not emails, uh, voicemails from him, sometimes text, sometimes talk to him, talk to him in person and stuff, and, and he just... He, he, he gets it. He loves his church family, and he loves to serve, and he loves, he has this amazing desire to share with other people this amazing gospel truth, this good news. What happened in his life, he was transformed. He has this amazing desire, and so I'm, that's what I'm saying. He, he gets it, but he's sick. He, he understands it. He, he, he's staying engaged. It's so important. For us to see that example and say, man, if, if somebody who can't even breathe is so excited to connect with his family, his church family, as I could I let you play the voicemail, I was in Round Rock uh, the other day when, when he called me and told me that he just got the call uh, and he went from 35 to number two, that it could be any moment that they call him in for a transplant, and, uh, he's, and, and I was in the middle of a meeting, and so I couldn't. Uh, get the, but I heard, listened to the voicemail, and he goes, I just want to let you know, because you're, you're my family, you're my pastor, and I, I, want, I want my church family to know just his heart for us, you know, and um, I know there's others in here like that. Uh, many of you have gone through and are going through, and we could go through the room and, and say that, people dealing with family issues, health issues, um, uh, uh, spiritual issues, all those things, but I just use him as that example of when somebody gets it, they don't want to stay discouraged. They don't want to stay wallowing in idleness, wallowing, not contributing to, to the, the kingdom of God. They want to stay connected, and they want to serve with every ounce of their body when they get it. So we've got to all strive to stay focused on the mission that we exist for. But again, we know that there are those who go through those spiritual battles, go through those physical battles, go through those relational battles, go through those times that they're absolutely weak. They have no strength in themselves. They can't hardly do anything for, for whatever reason that is, any of those areas. And so for those of us who aren't in that place, the charge is to remember what God's desire is, and that's to love as we are loved to adhere to those people, to be there for them, to love them, to comfort them. Again, we are in this together, both the strong and the weak, we're in this together. If you're in a state of weakness, you're sick tonight. 
You're here and you're like, I'm dealing with this illness in my life or in my family we're dealing with this and it's, it's definitely pulling us down. It's making us weak. You're limited. I want you to know this. You're just as much a part of us as anybody else. And so you're just as important as anybody else in this room or anybody else. And so if you're here and you're weak and you say, I just don't know that I, it matters that I'm here. Don't listen to that lie of the enemy. Don't listen to that. You're, it's important that you're here. It's important that you stay connected. It's important that you understand that you're a part of us. So don't let your sickness, don't let your situation, don't let any limitations define your importance in the body of Christ. You can't listen to that. Well, just because I can't do this, I'm not as important as him. Just because I can't do these things doesn't mean uh, means I'm not as important as her. Don't listen to that. That's not true. That's a lie of the enemy. If you're struggling in your health, struggling with a situation where you feel like I can't, I can't engage, I can't communicate, I can't connect, I can't um, uh, contribute the way that I think everybody should contribute. I want you to understand too, you're not extra weight. So I'm just kind of weight in the body of Christ, not really contributing, just being carried along. You can't buy that lie of the enemy either. Your presence and your part is important. Maybe all you can do physically is to show up, to connect, to pray, to engage the Lord, engage others. Do that. If that's all you can physically do, do that. Be an encouragement. Be an example, as I said a while ago, Brother Reuben. Be an example of what steadfastness and faithfulness looks like regardless of circumstance. Do that. Because we need that in the body of Christ. We need people like Debbie Moores who will say, I'm, I'm not going to let anything keep me down. I will continue to fight because I will continue to serve. And others, I mean, again, we can just begin to name, I don't, I, I don't want to do that, but I just feel like that we need to realize we're in this together. And we are to continue to fight. We're to continue to encourage each other, lift each other up, and stick together. If we're going to accomplish God's will, it's got to be this way. So those of us who are strong maybe tonight, and I'm not saying I'm strong, but I'm just saying in this room, if you're strong, let's make sure that we stick with those who are weak. Let's make sure that we stick close to them. We should remember this too, that those who are strong should have a passion to hold up those who are physically sick and those who are spiritually sick. It should be something that we desire to see happen. And this can only happen can only come through true Christian fellowship, true connection in, in the Spirit of God, and true togetherness. Again, we looked, about, looked a, a little bit um, in, in uh, Acts recently about what that first church looked like. The Bible says they had all things common. They were together. There was one mind, one heart. When one suffered, they all helped out. It was, it was, a part, it was about being a family and staying connected. And so number two is this. We are to make conscious efforts to support the weak. I'm going to try to hurry with this last one. It is probably the hardest one <laughs> for all of us. Be patient towards all men. And uh, it's specifically talking about the, the groups that he just labeled, but he's, he, it is also uh, to all men, because it's basically to all these men, 
but it is also to all men. That's, the, that's to define our lives. Patience, long-suffering, it should, should be a definition of our lives. But uh, this is perfect timing in this charge. Because when we look around and there's people that are idle, it seems like there's, there's people in the church that are not helping carry any part of it. There's those who are disorderly. They don't want to follow the leadership. They don't want to help in the mission. They don't want to be a part of what the church is supposed to be all about. There are those who are discouraged. There are those who are perpetually discouraged that they don't want to be encouraged. There's weakness throughout the body. It can become an issue of frustration for those who are. For those who are running and, and, and excited and pumped up. It can become an issue of frustration. People can get in a place where they give up on those who aren't contributing, those who aren't helping, those who are in need. But the charge is to be patient. I learned something early in ministry, and God taught me through experiences and, and you know, his word, but, but also through experiences. And, and it's this, that you can't focus on the negative alone. You can't focus on the negative alone because as soon as you start focusing on the negative, you will become discouraged just like that. And I remember early on in, in youth ministry, there would be uh, kids and, and, and situations and parents and stuff that would just be so frustrating. There'd be so many problems, all these things, and it was so easy to just zero in on the negative and, and stay focused on all the negative and all the problems and all the, 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 the issues. It was so easy to do that. The other thing is this, you can't focus on the critics. Because they're always going to be there. There's always going to be somebody that is saying something. Now, I'm not talking about a spiritual leader. I'm not, I'm not talking about a spiritual teacher. Uh, uh, somebody telling you the word of God or admonishing you in God's word. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about somebody who is just, nothing is ever good enough. You can't focus on those. You can't focus on those who aren't doing or aren't a part of it. You realize that those exist in the body of Christ. You realize those exist. But they can't be the focus. They can't be the drive in our service for the Lord. With that being said, that takes a great deal of patience for all of us. For all of us. For if you're serving in, the, in, in this body and you're helping the mission and you're, you're encouraged and, and, and you're thriving in your relationship with Christ and you're connecting with the body and you're excited, it has to be something that we, we take and give focus to of being patient. Again, the word is all men. Be patient towards all men. We can't get frustrated with the idol. We can't get frustrated when someone isn't helping in our eyes or the way that they should be or we think they should be helping. We can't get frustrated with each other, period. But we're to be patient with each other. You know what patient means in the Greek? Patient. We're to be patient. The other words that's used is long-suffering, uh, what are some other ones? Forbearing, enduring with, with one another. But that's what it means. It means going the extra mile, being long-suffering. I think many issues within the body of Christ would be handled if this one charge would be followed rightly. If we would be patient with each other, I think so many issues that we have inside the body of Christ would be handled. The Apostle Paul, again inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote something similar to the Ephesian believers in chapter 4 of Ephesians. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, or walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that's on your life, with all lowliness and meekness and humility and gentleness. And look what he says next, with long suffering, forbearing one another, and look at those next two words, 
in love. Long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Be patient. Be long-spirited with each other in love. Why? And, and, and what, what is the, the goal of this? He goes on to say in the next verse that you need to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You need to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And the only way that that's going to happen is that, that you're long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. That's the only way it's going to happen. That we are going to be together and maintain this glue, this bond that we have through God, only through God, His peace in us, is if we're patient with each other, with the right heart. And some people put on maybe a false patience, which isn't patience at all, and they don't have the right heart about it. But again, patience with others is vital. It's this charge. I think the Lord knew and he knows that we'd struggle with this issue of being patient with each other, being long-suffering with each other. And so that's why I think that's why we, we have this charge and it's throughout the New Testament many times talking about being long-suffering, being patient, forbearing, enduring, uh, all those things. So the question to challenge yourself with is this. The next time your patience with a brother or sister is challenged, you're struggling with it, being patient with that person, here's the question to challenge yourself with. How patient is God with me? How patient is God with me? How patient has God been with me? How many times have I deserved to be given up on? How many times in my Christian life have I made knucklehead decisions? Have I made dumb mistakes? Have I fallen into these things and have struggled with this area? And, 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 or maybe, maybe over and over and over and over in this one area struggled. How, many, how, 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 how much do I deserve for God to give up on me? For God not to be patient with me? How long-suffering has he been with me? And I think that's the standard of our challenge. When we see that we're to be patient with each other, patient towards all men, that's the charge. And number three, we're to, make a con we're to make conscious efforts to be patient with all men. And so I want to encourage and challenge you tonight with those, hopefully you are encouraged. Uh, and again, as I said earlier, if you're discouraged, it's a choice that you make that you allow yourself to be encouraged. But it starts with humility. It starts with humbleness. Whatever you do, if you're going through something right now, and you know, or maybe you've already done it, you start, you're starting to pull away, you're starting to disconnect from the body, fight that with everything, because I promise you, the Bible says Satan is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. And he is looking for Christians to do that all over this world. And if he can find those that will pull away from the strength of the body, the strength in the numbers, and he can find that person who's weak in spirit, weak in mind, weak, weak in all the things in the areas of their life, and they begin to pull away themselves from, again, the strength of the group, Satan will pounce like a roaring lion and destroy your life. That's as blunt as it is. He will, he will destroy your life. And it may be through a series of decisions that he, he puts out in front of you in your weakness, and you go down this path in your weakness and your discouragement, making decisions that you regret and you can't take back. He'll do whatever he, he can do. But don't pull away. Don't try to do it on your own. If you're discouraged or struggling tonight, press into the Lord. Press into the body. And let God do what only God can do through that. And let's be patient with each other. Let's encourage each other. 
Let's stick next to each other. Let's not give up on each other, but be patient. And let's be in this together. Let's get it. Let's get it like, like Brother Reuben. Like no, matter what, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how hard it is in my life, no matter what's going on in my family, no matter what's going on in my health, no matter what's going on at my job, no matter what questions I have on where the finances are going to come from, no matter what, I want to press into God and I want to tell other people about Jesus Christ. What an amazing testimony. Let's take that as a great example. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for your grace in our lives. God, I, as you put this on my heart and is going through it, uh, Lord, I am um, just broken. Uh, how many times I deserve for you to give up on me. Lord, how patient you've been with me is just, it's overwhelming. And God, I thank you for your long suffering. Thank you for your patience in my life. Um, Lord, thank you for your love and your kindness and your gentleness. And thank you for the times that you've corrected me with that strong yet gentle hymn. Lord, I pray that you would start with me and you'd go throughout this body. Help us to take these charges to heart. Help us to remember those who are discouraged and encourage them. Help us to, to see those who are sick and, and weak, whether it's spiritually or physically, uh, emotionally or, or financially or, or in, their, in their family. And help us stick next to them. Support them, Lord. And again, help us be patient as you've been patient with us. Help us not get frustrated, help us not give up, but help us be long-suffering as we press toward the mark. And I pray you just move now in this time of prayer. Help us respond rightly to your word, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.